I love awkward family photos. Have you ever looked at some old family pictures? My grandmother, on my dad's side, had a, in Grandpa and Grandma's house, they had this long, narrow hallway. And the hallway was just strewn with pictures on one side. And it, you know, they, once a picture went up there, it became crucial to the structural integrity of the house, I think. It, it just stayed there. It never moved. And so it was sort of like uh, time, uh, time hop or uh, Facebook uh, memories you know, in real time. You could just walk down the hallway and see the story of your life. But not just your life, the story of how you fit into the life of the family. It was kind of cringe-worthy. Oh, man, I wore that. Oh, Mom, why did you pick that outfit? You know, there was just these moments of kind of awkwardness. Um, we are beginning a new series today, and you probably saw that on your handout. And it's called Faithful Families. And it's, it's um, talking about the spiritual family, but also the biological family. And although the, we, I just named those two things separately, they really are very much deeply intertwined. God designed the family for a reason and a purpose, both spiritually and biologically. And as we sang that song this morning, I was reminded again of how true it is that we're part of the family. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Someone took the idea of this, uh, what, what I experienced walking down the hallway in my grandmother's home and made it into a website called Awkward Family Photos. And <laughs> there are some doozies out there, some that are not appropriate for a uh, Sunday morning audience, but there's some pretty funny ones that, that are, are shareable. Um, there is the uh, very awkward uh, stacker family, I guess. They just decided to do that in layers. Uh, there was a, <laughs> a baby that's well-loved there, but surprised by that love. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how many of you consider your pet a part of the family, but this family certainly did. <laughs> they wanted to make that a uh, part of it. And then, you know, you've, you've seen these beautiful pictures of families at the beach, and they're just trying to catch this perfect, free, unposed moment. Well, they, they absolutely did here as they're dropping the child. The whole premise of the website is really just the idea that we all have a little bit of awkward. And, of course, in today's social media, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of that, don't believe any of that. That's all curated. Somebody took 32 pictures of of themselves and picked the one that they wanted to go on Instagram. The, the, somebody put, uh, you know, did 117 family pictures and picked the one or two that they thought would be just right. And so when we go on social media, we go, man, all families are perfect. I don't, you know, it just makes us sort of uh, criticize ourselves. But, but this website brings the truth that all families have a little bit of awkward if they have human beings in them. Have you ever gone through an old family photo album? Um, we have... I'm sorry, for the younger generation, I have to explain. This is a book. Um, back in the day, uh, people used to compile pictures in these books. They're called photo albums. So I, I can see you know, Abby's very, you know, getting... I'm sorry, Chloe is... Uh, yep, thank you for cueing me. Um, she, but we're tracking along with, you know, kind of this, this was what the ancients used to do. And they would take pictures and they would put them in these books so that you could go through them. And sort of like my grandmother's hallway, you could 
review the past. And I pulled out this one last night because I knew I was talking about this morning. And I, Christy and I were standing at the counter just kind of looking at this particular photo album is from our early years. Uh, there's one of me graduating from college. And there's uh, our young married days in the single bedroom apartment where uh, I stepped into the laundry basket and threw her across the living room. Um, you know, there's our first anniversary and the trip that we took, and, and then eventually as kids came into the picture, and it's just kind of fun to reminisce and to, to remind yourself of how far you've come and also how your family's grown and the people that have been so instrumental in forming and shaping who you are. I, I wonder if, if we could have a spiritual photo album, what it would look like what it would look like if you could somehow open up the book of the people who were involved in getting you to where you are in Christ. The people who were involved in encouraging you and maybe even admonishing you. People who were involved in teaching you and training you. People who were involved in carrying you and encouraging you and praying with you. Uh, You know, God designed the church, to be that way. See, I think sometimes we forget the value and the beauty of the church. We we see this all across the, the culture right now, especially in Churches of Christ, but really all across the board, church attendance is going down. People, even what we would consider faithful attenders, are dropping to just once, maybe a month. And... The reason for that, I think, has at its root the idea that we take it for granted. We don't value the blessing that it really is. How wonderful and powerful it is to have a family that loves you and cares for you in a spiritual way. You saw probably perhaps the uh, announcement that went out on the prayer tree from Gary and Marilyn Brower who are in Texas, and they watch us online, as we have many folks do. Many people who don't have a spiritual family or who are unable to be with the body present and, and, and attending, uh, watch us online, and welcome to those of you online. But so many of those folks say, we love online, we love streaming, but it is nothing like being there in person. It's nothing like having the face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, kneecap-to-kneecap. I was talking to Curtis Welch this morning. I mean, their whole pew is just like sardines in a can. I mean, they're just squeezed in there. I mean, they are literally shoulder-to-shoulder in the family. I want you to think for just a moment about the value of the people in your spiritual photo album. And since you aren't doing the sermon, I'll go ahead and share the people in mine. You know, when I came to church, and I've told you this before as a 12 or 13-year-old kid, a new Christian, did you know I didn't go with my family? Not my mom or my dad. I, I didn't. And if your parents woke you up this morning and, and forced you to go to church, and, and they said, we're going, and they really didn't give you an option, I hope you understand what a blessing that is. So I would go... And uh, I was a new Christian, and so my Aunt Donna, who attended the church where I grew up, uh, made an arrangement for someone from the town where I lived in Mulvane 
uh, they lived close by, and they would pick me up and take me to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. They did that faithfully for three years until I was able to drive myself. And I, I think about that. That was an investment. And I remember the time in the car that we spent. I would sit in the back of the car, and I wasn't the only one they took to church, by the way. They took another lady. But Marvin and Janice Parkey helped form me and shape me as a young Christian in those car rides to and from church and church activities. It wasn't anything profound, but I was learning what Christianity looked like and how they talked and how they prayed and how they, and how they interacted with one another. In the back seat with me was a sweet, dear old lady named Peggy Wallace. And Peggy Wallace was a widow lady. She was spunky. She was uh, feisty. She was very full of energy. And uh, she, she and I would joke with each other and had a lot of fun. For your birthday, she would always make you a pie. I miss Peggy's pie. Remember Peggy's pies, Miss Paula? And uh, I remember the impact that she made on me just by being who she was. Could turn the page and look at some other people who are influential in my spiritual life, the, the people who were the spiritual fathers for me. I love my mom and dad. They, they just, they didn't, church was not a part of their routine in their life. So there were men in the congregation. My, my great uncle Keith, he, he was an elder in the church, and he studied with me and showed me what the Bible said about New Testament Christianity and how, what it meant to, to be a Christian and live as a Christian. My first youth minister was a man by the name of Bruce Dimmick. He was a young youth minister, and, and he was just getting started, and I was as well. He made a big impact on me. And the youth minister that followed him was a guy by the name of Mark Haas. And those two guys were a big part of why I went into youth ministry. Because I wanted to have a job where I would get paid to go to Six Flags. But I really wanted to make the kind of impact on teenagers that those two men had made on me. They spent time, whether it was taking me home after a youth group event or whether it was just hanging out, having a Coke at my birthday, they made an impact on me, and they were part of my story. An old, fiery preacher by the name of Clifford Payne. Clifford was uh, uh, a, a, a short man, but he had this deep, booming, baritone voice, and man, he could just wind you up and... He got me excited about God's Word and taught me to bring the Word with truth and with fervor and with passion because it was the greatest book in the world. I loved his speaking style and his ability. And, and there was a man who, who was not up front. He was actually sitting toward the back, probably somewhere about in this area, I would say, maybe about where Amanda is. And he would sit right here. Now, what he was doing whenever I would do a Wednesday night Devo talk or they'd let me preach on Sunday night, he had a little piece of paper. And he was writing, he was taking notes, like some of you do. But it was more than just taking notes. You see, Tom Henry was a Toastmaster. He knew uh, what professional speakers do and he knew how to be a better speaker. And so he would write me a little notes on that piece of paper and then following the sermon, he would hand it to me. 
And the first several times, it was all positive. It was all encouraging. Man, I thought as a 14-year-old, I was the next Zig Ziglar. I mean, it was just, man, all positive reviews and four stars. And then he knew that it was time, and he began little by little to say, how about try this? Why don't you work on that? I noticed that you, you know, that you do this. And so all of his notes over the years, I didn't receive as criticism, but rather as coaching. He didn't want to tear me down. He wanted to build me up. He saw potential, but he knew I wasn't where I needed to be. And he said, I can help you. And then he would take me along with him. He would go to preach for small churches that couldn't afford a full-time preacher. And I would spend time, windshield time with him as we would go to these small congregations. And I would preach the most powerful sermon that I could to a, a room full of 11 people. And I would bring revival to those 11 people. But he would talk to me about preaching and what it meant. I began to see myself as someone who could teach and lead and preach. He made... An impact. He was part of my spiritual family photo album. There's people like Tom and Clifford and Mark and Bruce and the Parkies and Peggy and, and so many more. I mean, that's just touching the hem of the garment. But, but what about you? Who would it be in your spiritual family photo album? Who would it be that impacted you and brought you to Christ and led you to Christ and helped mature you in Christ and encouraged you in Christ and prayed with you in Christ and sometimes admonished you or maybe even had to rebuke you or exhort you in Christ? You see, the church, when we understand what its purpose is, is to be a family that's together. Next time we take the Lord's Supper next week, I want to encourage you because our building allows this in such a, a beautiful way. 1 Corinthians 11.29, Paul's talking about the uh, Lord's Supper. And I usually read that um, during the time of the Lord's Supper, just as personal reflection. But it says in there something that I've never, uh, maybe I've just missed it before, but it says, anyone who, who observes this without discerning the body, discerning the body, and I always took that to mean the body of Christ, like the body that was on the cross. And maybe it does. There was a literal body that was sacrificed, and that's the, the emblems remind us of the body and the blood. But what if we took it a second way? And as we partook of the Lord's Supper, the communion, the place where we meet together at this table, where we have a common union, after we took of the emblems, we looked, instead of looking down, we looked up and across and across the room and discerning the body and how we have shaped and changed and molded one another. This is how God intended the church to be. The church from God is the family of God. When you became a Christian, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, a, a lady, Pauline Lopez, place put on Christ in baptism. She began her new steps in Christ. And, and at that moment, not only was she forgiven of all her sins, not only was she given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but she was added to the church, Acts chapter 2 says. She was added to the family. Uh, I'm Rob Dobbs, I'm, I'm looking for Raymond Williams. Where's, where's Ray this morning? I know he's around. There's Ray. Okay. Uh, would you guys stand for just a moment? You know, when somebody's baptized, you may not notice this, but uh, Rob and Raymond, if they're here, usually after we take the profession, 
they will go back to the back room, and those two guys will come to the back to help, you know, me put on the waiters and show people where the towels are and things like that. But there's, there's, that's not the reason they're there. Did you know that they're there for the purpose, for the moment that they are added to the body? And as, that, as Pauline did last week, uh, and, and, and Raymond was there, and, and she came out, she stopped and went, we're hugging her, and she, she changes, and then you can have a seat, Raymond. She, we have this moment, and Raymond and Rob will both do it, and they'll say, we want to pray with you. And we'll circle around right back there while you all are singing, and we'll pray. And Raymond and Rob both lead a beautiful prayer reminding them of what just happened and, and that now they're a part of this family and that they're not alone and they're not expected to be alone. Family, you see, is what God intended the body to be. And that's what we experience in the church. So let's look at a slew of scriptures this morning that relate to us this idea. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to be flying across the pages. First John chapter 3, verse 1, page 1304 in the Pew Bible. The Apostle John shares, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that the world did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And then we're also going to jump right over to chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul the Apostle says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. I love that. Because Paul was an apostle. Paul was trained and taught under Gamaliel. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He he knew the law inside and out. Yet he had this young man, this young preacher named Timothy, that he wrote these letters to to encourage. And some translations say, my true son. In the faith. Now, we don't have any. I mean, he was not saying you're my biological son. He was saying you're my son in the faith. I love that. Paul uh, said, went on to say in First Timothy chapter five, verses one and two, and he's speaking here about the church. And he and note the way he talks. About, he's telling Timothy to to treat the intergenerational aspect of church. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but encourage him as you would a brother. Younger men as Sorry, encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. See, Paul was reminded that that we all in in the family of God are at different points in the process. This morning, can I ask you for just a moment, um, for the men who served, if you were a man and you served communion or uh, the offering trays this morning, would you just for a moment please stand up? If you passed the plates this morning, if you helped with serving in any way, okay? So what I noticed as the gentlemen were passing the plates this morning, and, and as you notice as you're looking at them now, they're all different ages and stages, 
That's beautiful. That reminds us of what Paul's saying here, that we've got different relationships. And, and there are some people who are like your spiritual fathers, and there are some people who are like your spiritual siblings, and there are some people who are, who are your younger siblings. You gentlemen can have a seat. Thank you. This is what the idea of the church was intended to be. Maybe you've heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water. And most people think that phrase refers to, hey, family's got to stick together. The actual original context of that saying was this, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. The point being that spiritual family runs deeper than does even sometimes physical family. The Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says, and by the way, if you're interested in learning about Proverbs, join us on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock here. Um, The the writer of Proverbs says, there is a a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Can you raise your hand this morning if you've had a friend who is almost closer than a brother or sister? Yes, we, we all have. We've had those people who connect to us. They don't share the same gene gene pool, but they share our hearts. And this is what God intended the church to be. You see, the church works best when we stop focusing just on ourselves and realize that there's a whole bunch of other people, a family that is to be working together. And this is how the family is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be about, uh, it's supposed to be about we, not about me. Churches get in trouble when people start thinking about me and about what I want and what I prefer and what I like. But churches that are healthy don't think that way. They think not in terms of me. They think in terms of what's best for the body, what's best for everyone else. Our family, uh, the Levering household, we have a couple of, uh, well, there's, there's things that the kids do that they can, you know, everybody's on commission. They can earn money by doing jobs. But there are other things that are not, they're not paid for. And we call those responsibilities. Responsibilities are not something you paid for, rewarded for. You don't get a gold star. It's just a, some, an expectation as part of being part of the family. One of those is loading and unloading the dishwasher. Um, I'm not sure if you're a, if your family has that same tradition, but, but everyone from Grace to Tyler to Christy to me, you know, takes our turn loading and unloading the dishwasher. And, and you know, it's, it's never fun, but it's just got to be done. There are responsibilities that we have as a family. And um, in the scriptures, the, what I will call the responsibilities are, are the one another verses. There's lots and lots of one another verses. And if you're in the spiritual family of Christ, everyone will take a turn at the one another verses. If you're serious about your Christianity, let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 5 through, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 5 through, my goodness, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5, the verse that was read for you this morning. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. This is page 1215, if you're looking for Romans 12.3. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are many, have one body in Christ, and individually members of another. Now, sometimes you hear that in churches of Christ, and the, our idea is simple New, Tis, New Testament Christianity. 
and, and not the idea of denominationalism where we just, you know, split apart and divide by name. We have all sorts of different doctrines and creeds. We just want to be the one church of the Bible, which is great. That's, that's what this, the scripture teaches. But there's more to it here than thinking about the outside. There's also this intrinsic idea that we are one body. And in one body, we have many parts. Simple example. When you're coming in to worship, maybe you have your place where you like to sit, and, and all of a sudden it's pretty full Sunday morning, and you're like, it's getting uncomfortable. And then a guest comes in. Someone's coming in, they've come in late, and you know, you're kind of sitting there with that, mm, that kind of look on your face like, uh, oh, well, you should have been on time, but you got a better seat. That's a me type of thinking. That's not how we are at Northside. Because we want to grow in Christ and we want to be like Christ. And so when we're sitting in our spot and we're, we're comfortable and we're settled and we see somebody looking for a seat, what we do because we follow Jesus, we say, here, sit here. Or we scoot down toward the middle where nobody likes to sit. Not because it's convenient or comfortable, but because we're family. And we don't just want that family to be closed off. We want it to be open. Remember, some point... At some time, somebody made a seat for you. And so may we extend that grace and that courtesy to others. God did not intend the church to be a bunch of lone rangers. He intended it to be a team. Anytime you have one person going off and doing their own thing, that's always going to cause problems. But God intended the body to be like our physical body. You know, if there's one part that's going off and doing its own thing, that's, that's, a, that's a medical problem. If there's one part that doesn't function like it should, that's a handicap. So we may think the, may we think the same way spiritually about the body of Christ. We all have these responsibilities to one another. Our connection to one another is shown by how we treat one another. And, and this was the idea of, that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 11. We discern the body. We think about not what I want, not what's best for me, but what's best for we. Let's, let's look at a few of these one-anothering ideas. Romans chapter 12 is full of them. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Um, Paul writes this. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We've had quite a few wedding showers. There was one yesterday uh, there was one a, a reception for Larry McKinley and, and, and Glenda uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did you go to those? Did you attend those? Did you bring something? Not, not necessarily a gift, but I mean, maybe a card. Well, I'm busy and I have other things. I, you know, I have a... Wait a second. In the family, Paul calls us to love one another. And that love means brotherly affection, outdoing one another in showing honor. I didn't say those things are convenient. I mean, there's frankly a lot of baby showers and wedding showers that happen on Sundays. Sundays are pretty busy days for the Leverings. It's not easy to work in, making time for that. And if Christy's asked to host a shower or do something like that, that's not an easy thing. But that's not the purpose. Years ago... 20, going on 21 now, years ago, somebody hosted our wedding shower. Somebody brought gifts for us. 
Somebody made plans to honor. Somebody hosted a baby shower for Tyler and, and for Grace when they were born. People did that. You see, it's, it's just a cyclical thing. And so if we get stuck in, well, just me, well, I don't want to. I don't really know them. That's inconvenient. The time's not good. I'm not saying you have to go to every wedding shower and every baby shower, but just think for a minute. How do you go about honoring other folks above yourself? That's what we're supposed to do in the church. Galatians chapter 6 is another one. Galatians chapter 6, page 1249. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Most Thursday evenings especially, I'm here later, and um, I can hear the building filling up. And, and frankly, filling up with a lot of people that don't normally, aren't normally in this building. Teens at the landing, uh, people coming for Celebrate Recovery, because the church is bearing one another's burdens as a part of being a Christian. Have you ever engaged in Celebrate Recovery? Have you ever thought about bearing someone else's burden? Well, that's awkward. I don't know that I could do that. Well, wait a second. Did, did someone ever bear your burden? Did someone ever listen to you when you were going through a hurt? Did someone ever pray with you when you needed prayer? Did someone ever sit with you when you were sad? Maybe you should consider returning the favor. Maybe we not forget, it's not just about, as Steve talked about last week, being served but moving to a place where we're serving one another. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is on page 1254. Paul says, be kind to one another. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You see, in the family, personal forgiveness is a two-way street. Forgiveness is a two-way street. Many people love receiving forgiveness, but forgiveness, just like it says in the Word, is for giving. It's not just for receiving. And if you're in the family of Christ long enough with human beings, you're going to have to do that. It was a Wednesday night. Most of this room had cleared out. I was walking through and a lady caught me and said, I need to talk to you for just a minute. I said, okay. And so we talked. And she said, I need to tell you that I'm sorry. I had no idea what she was apologizing for. She said, I've been terribly, terribly angry with you. I said, oh, okay. We talked about that. She explained to something and brought something to my attention that I had no idea from years ago. But it was part of her healing process. Now, I would have gone on just none the wiser, just happy-go-lucky, fine, and, and I had no idea. We're in the family of God. You're going to have to offer forgiveness, and you're going to have to receive forgiveness. That's the way the family works if it's got human beings in it. I needed forgiving, and I had no idea that I needed forgiveness. She needed to ask forgiveness, and I had no idea that I needed to offer it. But when we're a family, we're kind and we're forgiving and we work through things together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, scriptures uh, continue to remind us of how 
we are responsible to one another. Page 1266. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, Lane Denman uh, yesterday did a ladies' day at the Eastwood Church of Christ, and Rose Shady and a bunch of other ladies went to encourage her, to build her up. I'm sure that took some time. I'm sure that took some energy. But don't you think it lifted Elaine's spirits to see her sisters and her friends there in the audience supporting her and encouraging her? That's how Christians are to be. We're supposed to encourage and build each other up. Why does this all matter? Well, it matters because how we treat one another reflects our relationship with the one. This really matters more than you know. And we'll talk about one more scripture. But, but if you need to, if you, well, let me put it this way. If you love Christ, this week I want to challenge you to show that you love Christ. I want you to forgive someone that you've been holding on to a grudge to for a long time. Not because they deserve it, but because Christ calls you to it. I want you to encourage someone who might need it, someone who's looking sad or someone who's been through a rough time or or someone who's come on the prayer chain and just send them a note or a text message. Maybe you should show someone honor, somebody celebrating an anniversary or a birthday or some milestone in their lives. May you take the time to honor them and show them honor. Maybe you need to pray with someone. We, we have a prayer tree email list. If, you don't, if you're not on that list, contact the church office. We'll show you how to get on it. But, but we have prayers requests every single day. And when one comes into my email box, it goes in this book. In this book, I write down the prayer requests so that I will take time. And every time I see that book, I have a certain time when I pray through the list so that I legitimately pray for people. And if I have the opportunity, I pray with people taking my cue from Justin Abraham and others like him. May we pray with one another, not because it's convenient or easy. All of the one another challenges are really not about us. They're about one and about serving one another. So may we take that seriously. May we even take opportunities to serve together like Debbie and Hannah who are pictured here in the foyer this morning. They were having a chit-chat about a ministry project they were doing, and I think the subjects of coffee and chocolate probably came up at some point as well. But that's, a, that's an intergenerational connection, a prayer pal connection. And that's not, I mean, right there in the foyer, that's an easy thing to do, but investing in another person, well, that takes time and energy and effort. But we do that because someone invested in us. Now, to the last verse, Matthew chapter 25. This is where it really hit home for me. Matthew chapter 25. And if you haven't been following along in Scripture all the whole time, uh, I want you to turn to this one. Matthew chapter 25. Because Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us what's going to be on the test. Jesus tells us what is going to matter to him on the final judgment day. Matthew chapter 25. We're in verse 40. He's going to say, The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, whatever you did to one of the least of my 
brothers. You did it to me. All of those things. When you were hungry, you gave me food. You were thirsty, you gave me drink. You were a stranger and you welcomed me. You were naked, needed clothing. You were sick and came to visit. You were in prison and you came to see me. All of those things, Jesus has special emphasis on his brothers and his sisters in the family. Now, who are those people? Well, the question was asked of Jesus. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 12. He, he was saying, or someone called to him and said, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is, my, who is my mother and my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward them, toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Jesus had a physical family, but what he was saying is what we experience today. Here are my mothers, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Well, the question now is, are you a part of the family of God? Are you a part of the forever family we've been talking about all this morning? If you're not, there's a very simple thing you can do to make that happen, and that is what we call obeying the gospel, responding to the invitation, not my invitation, not Northside's invitation, but the invitation of Christ to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be, as Pauline was, added to the body, added to the church, added to the forever family of God. If you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you to do that. And if you're a part of the family of God, I want to encourage you to continue doing what Christ has called us to do. If you have a need this morning, please come to the Father by obeying the Son as together we stand.